Welcome to the e-commerce marketing podcast, the highly rated digital marketing podcast that provides weekly digital marketing tips and strategies from some of the world's top digital marketers and e-commerce entrepreneurs that will help you take your digital marketing to the next level. Sit back and enjoy this power-packed episode hosted by Arlen Robinson, who is an e-commerce entrepreneur and digital marketing expert with over 20 years of experience. This episode has been sponsored by the customer engagement platform, SAP eMarsis, that have been helping their clients be customer obsessed for years. Recent research from Forrester has found that customer obsessed marketers are more than twice as likely to collect or transform real-time data for use in marketing programs and almost twice as likely to use all the data available to them in making customer decisions. At SAP eMarsis, they help to empower the marketer's path towards greater omni-channel engagement, whether that's pioneering advancements in personalization or growing loyalty to extend a customer's lifespan with a brand by engaging anywhere and personalizing everywhere. Visit emarsis.com to find out more. Hey, e-commerce marketing podcast listener. Are you looking to increase traffic and sales to your website? You can do this by launching your own affiliate program. Just visit getosi.com and sign up for a free trial today. That's getosi.com. Now get ready to hear from your e-commerce marketing expert of the week as they drill down to give you details on marketing strategies that can help grow your business. Welcome back to the e-commerce marketing podcast, everyone. My name is Arlen Robinson and I am your host. And today we've got a very special guest, Aditya Varanasi, who is the founder and chief executive officer at Awarity. Awarity, thank you. (laughs) Awarity, where they disrupt the advertising industry by making world-class marketing more affordable and sustainable for up-and-coming companies. He's graduated with a BS in chemical engineering from Purdue University and earned his MBA from the Kellogg School of Management. Yeah, he spent 14 years at PepsiCo, where he pioneered new ways to unlock the power of digital media across a wide range of brands, including Cheetos, Cracker Jacks, and Lay's Stacks. Welcome to the podcast, Aditya. Hey, thank you, Arlen. Thanks for having me on. Yes, no problem. And uh, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, I was reading your intro. I, I didn't realize until just now. You said you went to Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern yes. University? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually originally from Evanston, Illinois, which is where Northwestern is. Yeah. And, uh, so it's a, it's a small world. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, very familiar with the whole area. That's where I grew up. Those were my old, old stomping grounds. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Me and my friends. I remember in my high school days, we used to try to, you know, we're, you know, how it is when you're in high school. You, you, you want to be older than you actually are. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to sneak into some frat parties and managed to get in a couple <laughs> in Northwestern. <laughs> and so, you know, it was always a good time there. Yeah. The, the the frat guys were there. We're always pretty cool, man. We were able to kind of slip in man, without any problems. And yeah. So they had some some really good days back there in Evanston. Yeah, it's a nice town right there on the lake. Yeah, it is. It's very, very scenic. Well, you know, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you today. You know, the main topic that we're going to be talking about is, you know, really breaking through the noise as a business and really how to develop messaging that's going to resonate with the target customer, because that's really the bottom line when it comes to, you know, any business success. You got to reach that right customer because, you know, if you're not... Um, if you're talking to that wrong, wrong customer, you're just going to be burning cash. You might as well just be 
taking money out of your wallet and just lighting it on fire, <laughs> you know? So yeah. you definitely have to reach the right customer. So that's what we're going to be diving into today. But before we do get into all that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and you know how you specifically got into what you're doing today? Yeah. You know, my journey's long and winding and nothing. And there's nothing in it that's traditional, I would say. Okay. I, I candidly, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a really long time. You know, my, my family immigrated to the US when I was one. For me, I just wanted to you know, get a good job, make a good living. That was that was kind of my goal in life. And so I started as a pre-med major at Purdue and thought I may not want to be in school for that much longer and added chemical engineering as kind of a backup, but eventually okay. went that route because, you know, thought there were some great opportunities as a chemical engineer. Mm-hmm. I started working at Frito-Lay, didn't even imagine that's where I would end up. I thought I was going to be in a technology company mm-hmm. that I was, that I interned with, yeah. but went to Frito-Lay because Candidly, they were an industry leader, and it was pretty exciting mm-hmm. to to see what I could what I could learn from an industry leader and be a part of that. And that's really what attracted me to to Free to Lay. Okay, and I worked on new products. I worked on Lay Stacks and worked on Tostito Scoops, and you know a lot of cool, fun stuff. Helping yeah. you know make make sure scoops were shaped like a scoop. Okay, uh, you know improving improving that or making sure the lid fit on lace. That's just little engineering challenges. But along the way, mm-hmm. that's where I first got exposed to marketing. I never okay. thought about a career in marketing. Never really knew much about marketing other than watching commercials on TV. Mm-hmm. And as I worked with the brand teams at at PepsiCo, I thought what they were doing was really cool. You know, I'd go to focus groups and we'd watch how customers interact and kind of see the follow up questions and how you try to harvest insights on what customers really want and need mm-hmm. in, a, in a snack product or packaging or otherwise. I would see how they try to marry those options against financial considerations, competitive considerations, even sales considerations to get retailers to to take on new products or new items and. It felt like it was really at the intersection of that art and science of of business. Mm-hmm. And that's what pulled me into it. It was like, there's no one right answer in how you approach a business problem. But bringing that engineering background to how you solve these more complex multifaceted process problems was really intriguing for me so much. So yeah. I went back, got my MBA and then rejoined Frito Lay in the brand in the brand wow. marketing group. Wow! And uh, that's where I first got exposed to to advertising in in a big way. Mm-hmm. And there were there were kind of two lessons that became transformative to what I'm doing now. Like, look, I'll be the first. I never aspired to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, and it was never in the cards mm-hmm. for me. But as I was working there, the first thing that stood out, and this probably comes from the engineering background, is how everything in marketing works together. You know, we ran the this really complex regression where we put everything while I was on the Cheetos brand, everything from in-store pricing to in-store merchandising to TV, to competitive activity, to you name it, digital, to everything we were doing into a massive model to say, how much did each of those things lift so we can make smarter trade-offs and choices with our limited resources? Mm And the model then was able to assign a coefficient to everything. And then we knew what it cost. We could basically get an ROI out of each channel. And it seemed really smart. But I I thought about it and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Even though the numbers made sense, it doesn't make sense because you can't do any of those things in isolation. Mm -hmm. And what we found, we did a separate analysis where we looked at what happens when you put the interaction of these variables together. So for example... When you run a pricing discount on something like Cheetos, you can measure how many more units do you sell for 
every 10 cents you discount the product. Mm -hmm. What we saw when we went to that level of depth was when you have awareness building like TV running at the same time as pricing and merchandising, you would get more lift than when you didn't have TV. And it makes sense. You know, you take a Cheeto, you see it on TV. You're like, oh yeah, Cheetos, they're orange. They're fun. They make you feel like a kid again. It's really (laughs) unique in the world of of snacks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, and snacks is is so expansive. You've got healthy snacks. You've got salty snacks. You've got sweet snacks. You've got cold snacks. You've got fruits and vegetables. I mean, you have so many choices when it comes to snacking, Mm -hmm. but Cheetos stands alone. So all the commercial was designed to do is remind you of Cheetos. It's playful, fun, makes you feel like a kid again. And go back, think about all the commercials you've seen recently. Yeah, they all just reinforce that point. That's true. So you that's see the commercial, true. you're like, oh yeah, Cheetos, they make me feel like a kid again. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the store and you see it maybe in a high traffic a merchandising location. Like, oh yeah, Cheetos, I was just thinking about that. Then you're like, it's on sale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab a bag. It's it's not just one of those things that ultimately got you to purchase. Yeah. And so the first thing that was really transformative of me and how I, I understood and, and what I was fortunate enough to be a part of at PepsiCo was to learn how all these things work together to ultimately mm-hmm. drive the end result. Yeah. The second thing that happened is digital really started to emerge and, and something called programmatic advertising, which is, you know, pretty much every ad you see on a website is served what's called programmatically. Right. And what that means is these ad slots are made available by the website publishers on ad exchanges, and then you can bid on it in real time. And there's a host of parameters, like what zip code is it in? What lat long is it at? What content is on the page? There's a host of parameters tied to which ad slots you want to you want to bid on. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued by it because I felt like if you look at pretty much any ad channel, take social media, less than half of social users are on social channels daily. Mm-hmm. So that means you, if you wanted to reach me with the social media ad, you're far less likely to do that because I'm not on there daily. Yeah. And so if you're relying on social media, you're only reaching a subset of the population. Mm-hmm. If you rely on cable TV, you're only reaching a subset that watches cable. If you're relying on broadcast, you're only reaching that. And any ad channel has some kind of an audience bias where you're only reaching certain people. Yeah. But what intrigued me about banner ads is every one of us is on websites every day. Two thirds of our time online is actually on websites. Mm -hmm. And with that, you can reach virtually anyone. And so I was like, there's something really powerful here, which is why I was so eager to bring it in our brands and Mm -hmm. why we had great success. I eventually left PepsiCo in in 2015. I was hired by a private equity firm to run a startup and they were well-funded. And that's where I first learned about entrepreneurship. I had to register a business. I had to come okay, up with wow. the name. We had to come up with the logo. We had to do a host of things to set up a new business. I was like, this is this is kind of cool. I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying this. Mm-hmm. After about six months, I parted ways with that firm. There were some unrelated, unrelated reasons. But the big experience there was how hard it was to bring that PepsiCo playbook to a small business. Right, right. Everything I wanted to do didn't make sense from a budget standpoint. Yeah. It didn't make sense from a resource commitment standpoint. And I, I didn't do all the things I wanted to do from a pure advertising perspective because the solution didn't exist. So after mm-hmm. I left that firm, that's when I started Awarity. Okay. Our our mission is to make world-class advertising affordable to everyone. I felt like my okay. experience in programmatic advertising coupled with this need that there's over 30 million small businesses that are just pouring all their money into Facebook and Google and mm. they have limited reach. They no longer can rely on newspapers or the yellow pages or other affordable local ad channels to reach new customers. I felt like if we could adapt what had normally been reserved for large companies and very expensive and make it efficient and affordable for small business, 
we could meet a need that not only would allow them to reach the customers, but actually help them make their entire marketing strategy work harder because mm-hmm. you're bringing more people into that funnel. Yeah. And so that's that's where we are. So, you know, we we piloted the concept in 2016, 2017. Along the way, you know, I kept the business going nights and weekends. I took up a job at Capital One running marketing for their auto refinance group and had some marketing operations responsibility more broadly. But after a year, the customers that we had here were happy. They were getting great results. We we're getting phenomenal feedback. I said, we got to go commit and yeah. try to scale this up. Yeah. So left Capital One in 2018. And, you know, we haven't haven't looked back. Okay. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's quite a story. You know, you you came from a totally unrelated background, like you said, you know, chemical engineering and, uh, you know, then got into entrepreneurialism, marketing. And yeah, I really love kind of what you've done by taking kind of your expertise, all the marketing knowledge that you gained at PepsiCo and then applying to small businesses. Because you would think that, you know, okay, we can just kind of take these things that are done just kind of almost as a template and just take it over here, apply it to small businesses, just kind of as is. But yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that. You do have to retool some things. You're dealing with different budgets. You're dealing with a different demographic usually. And and so it, it take, takes a you know a bit of effort to do it. But yeah, it, it sounds like that's a great mission that you have and, and have been able to empower small businesses from what you've learned in, in your experiences. So yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you. Um, yeah. And so today, what I wanted to really kind of start off with is just if you could uh, briefly just explain just that whole concept of just breaking through the noise, you know, when it, and it comes to the context of e-commerce marketing and, you know, why is it really essential for businesses to develop a message that's just going to resonate with the their target yeah. cus- customers? You know, I think I think the first thing that we always have to remember as a brand or a business is when we're asking somebody to buy from us, we're asking them to change a behavior. We're asking Mm -hmm. them to do something different than they were doing before. Right. And put that in context for yourself. And I'll put it in context for myself. Change isn't always easy. Mm -hmm. There's a journey from what you're doing to what you eventually end up doing. And there's a number of steps along the way to make that change. And it's not always as fast as as we would like. So I think the the first piece of advice on how you break through the noise is, Put yourself truly in the shoes of the customer. What are their current choices? What are they doing and why? And how are you compelling them to make a change that you have a solution that better meets their needs than what they're currently doing or not doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the first thing to embrace. And I think a lot of times as a marketer or as a brand, we just want to be able to say, I put this into market and we got new customers. Mm -hmm. And it's it's look at it from the other side. And ask yourself when you've made decisions that simply, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to medium to high involvement purchases. But I'll even tell you, low involvement decisions can also be challenging as well to get yeah. people to make. But I think mm-hmm. you embrace that. Then the second thing to embrace, if you want to figure out how to break through the noise, is we're exposed to four to 6,000 ad messages a day wow. by, by many <laughs> estimates. Yeah, it's a lot. And an ad message could be the logos we're seeing on somebody's car the, or the wrap on someone's car, the billboards yeah. we see as we're driving. Banner ads on websites, TV commercials, newspapers, magazines, whatever whatever it is we're consuming, we're seeing ads virtually everywhere we turn. Mm-hmm. And I don't I haven't met a single person that recall all 4,000 ads that they saw <laughs> yeah. in a day. Yeah. The ads that we remember are the ones that that speak to us, mm-hmm. where we feel like the brand understands our pain points 
and they're presenting a solution mm-hmm. that addresses that pain point. And the yeah. key to it is simplicity. Mm-hmm. If you're if you embrace the fact that people are seeing four to six thousand messages, you're not going to be able to tell your full story in one ad. Yeah. yeah. If you try to, you're going to lose them. You're going to drown into the noise. Mm-hmm. But if you can really simply articulate what pain point of the customer you're solving and how you're uniquely providing them a value. And it's hard. It's much easier said yeah. than done because I can tell you, I'm guilty of this with our own business. I feel like we do so many things so much better than everyone else. I yeah. want to tell that story to everybody we talk to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, people ultimately make decisions on how they feel. Yeah. So the goal of good advertising is to make them feel something by connecting with them, by showing them you understand and you've got something that can help. Yeah. And if yeah. you can do that... And- and embrace, hey, you're trying to make a change, so it's going to take time, and you have to keep it simple to the most important one or two points you want people to remember. That, to me, is the foundation of of how you get to that get to that message. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you you actually you mentioned a couple of things there that you know, as far as a challenge is concerned, a lot of times you know, and it's it's hard to believe that we're, we're we actually are exposed to four to six thousand you know messages from different brands in a day. I mean, that's that just seems like overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I just can't <laughs> comprehend that. But you're right. You know, when it comes to just your day to day activities, whether you're online, whether you're out, uh, where you're driving around, wherever you're going, yeah, it's all of these messages from the logos to the small slogans, everything like that. It's all you know. We're, it's all there. Not, yeah, it's all. We just it's went to a there. restaurant for lunch, and there was like six sticker logos on the door as we walked in. Wow. Yeah. Where they're accredited, what payments they accept, whatever, whatever that is. Those are yeah, all ads. That's true. That is very true. And so, you know, a lot of times as a brand, you know, we may have the, you know, feel like the need to really just fully explain our whole story and just, you know, tell everyone you know, exactly why we're the right one for them and, you know, just kind of overdo it. But I think, it's not, of course, it's not the right way to go. What do you think are some other challenges that, you know, an e-commerce business can face when they're trying to just craft that message that's just going to stand out with their audience? And, you know, how do they overcome these these challenges? I think honing the right message and the right pain point is it's hard. Yeah. And that's where that, you know, I talked about earlier, what drew me to marketing is the fact that there is a blend of art and science and there's likely Mm. not one right answer. And I think the best way to solve it is to really put yourself in the shoes of the customer, embrace Mm. it, go method actor or Mm. actress Mm -hmm. on a pretend you're that person living that life. And what are you trying to ask them to do and why should they care? And you have to be honest, like we all are really passionate about the businesses we work on or work with. We're all really passionate about us. We feel like we're the best. Mm-hmm. We have to be realistic about what's the custom, what does it look like from the customer's vantage point? Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do is we try to treat every sales call almost like a mini focus group. Okay. Or every even client services call is a mini focus group. And we talk about it. We mm-hmm. make it a point to talk about it at least weekly. We end up talking about it much more than that. We have dedicated sure. time where we'll share themes and insights we heard that week. And Mm -hmm. what we've seen is as we've slowly addressed either friction points or insights, those tend to evolve over time. But the goal, the goal that I would suggest is don't expect you're ever going to get this hundred percent, right? This is Mm -hmm. always a work in progress. I like it to play in golf. You're never going to be good Mm -hmm. enough at golf. You're always going to want to be better. (laughs) Right. But the goal of a brand should be, how do you be 10% better next month than you were this month? Mm -hmm. Or how do you be even 5% more, you know, 5% more impactful than you Mm -hmm. were last month with your messaging? Because you learn one little nugget, Mm -hmm. you applied that little nugget. 
and think of it as just baby steps. But then, you know, you go to Warren Buffett's concept of compounding. Yeah. You're 5% better a month mm -hmm. for 12 straight months. You're going to be doubling your capability pretty frequently. Yeah. But it's that just concerted effort to try to get just a little bit better. Don't feel like you have to solve it all. And I think that's what slows people down is they want to solve it all. How do you do one thing that's just a little better than last month and stay mm -hmm. committed to that approach? And when you do that, that eventually iterates you down to the path you want to go. We have a we have a client we're we're working on right now, and you know they have a lot of questions they want to answer about creative and products and pricing and different offerings. They want to test a number of things. Mm -hmm. And our advice to them, which you know credit to them, they embraced was let's take a step back and let's start with some basic questions. Mm -hmm. Because if you put too many variables into a test, you're never going to know what moved the needle. So we narrowed it down to just a couple of variables that we're going to test. And then in a couple of months, we'll revisit that and see how we get better and how we get better. And I think that's the advice that I would I would give. So whether you're starting at a spot where it, things are working really well, or you're starting a spot where you're not even sure what's working, if you embrace that approach yeah. and give it time, you're eventually going to find yourself better than where you started. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. You know, it really comes down to, I think, the mindset that a business has to take when they're when their salespeople are taking on, you know, any sales call or any interaction that they have with a potential customer, you know, at the end of the day, they may think that, okay, they have a sales call or somebody comes to them in a live chat and ask some questions, but, you know, they don't, they decide not to buy that. Just that one interaction, no matter what that customer ends up doing, it's valuable because you've learned, yeah, you've learned something. And I think a lot of times, businesses get so caught up on getting that sale at the end of the day, they forget about kind of going back and being reflective on everything they've you know learned, what they got from that customer. What did the customer say? What questions were they asking? What products were they interested in? Yeah, all that's very valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I think to build on that, probably two, two considerations is, one is don't overreact, you know, make yeah. sure you're really capturing themes, really mm -hmm. look to see how you can turn these into themes. Customer A may say it's pricing, customer B may say it's value. Mm -hmm. Well, which one is it? And if you look at it and take a step back and look at it versus alternatives, you might say, hey, maybe we just have to upsell mm -hmm. and double the price, but offer three times the value. And that's the way to solve yeah. the issue. It's not always, it's so easy to just say, I want to go to a discount then when you hear that. But if you start thinking about the theme and not the words, but what's the sentiment they're trying to convey, that's the way to get to insight. Because you know, one thing I can tell you, having sat in countless focus groups and customer research panels, customers can't always articulate exactly what their unmet needs are. Because right. if they could, they would figure out a way to meet it. Yeah, yeah. So good marketers are able to hear that and then translate and come up with different different ways to solve the problem that aren't always the obvious answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so true. Now, you know, when we're a brand and we're thinking about the messaging, how to reach the right customers, you know, there's a, there's a lot to consider. And one of the things that, you know, I think that's kind of gone on as a little catchphrase, I guess you, you can say in the marketing world is stories sell, uh, facts and figures don't, you know, you want to tell that story and that we're constantly hearing that. What do you think is the role of storytelling, you know, in developing a message that's going to resonate with the target customer? And, you know, how does that e-commerce business utilize storytelling effectively, you know, in their overall marketing efforts? Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with you. Story does story does matter and it matters mm -hmm. a lot. You know, 
I think we like to think humans make fact-based decisions and then yeah. feel good about it. Right. Really, humans, the, the vast majority of humans, not everyone, because I've met folks that do work that way and yep. kudos to them, mm -hmm. but the vast majority of humans like to feel good about a decision and then they find the facts to justify yeah. that choice. Right, right. And, if, and, and that then tells you story does matter. Now, the hard part is going back to the previous sentiment. If we're seeing four to 6,000 ads a day, mm. how do you really tell a story and keep people's attention long enough to pay attention? Yeah. It still goes back to what I told you, which is it's still got to be simple. Mm. It's got to be something people can easily digest. The, the worst thing you can see when you watch a commercial or see an ad is, I'm not sure what they do. <laughs> right. And I say that a lot. Yeah. So kind of two or three rules that I'll put behind it to evaluate if the story is 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 accurate or not is first, is it very, very clear to if you showed the commercial to a second grader, would they mm -hmm. understand what you do? Mm -hmm. And if you want to, you could say it's a fourth grader, but I like to say second grader, like let's go mm -hmm. lowest common denominator. Yeah. Cause yeah. and that's because it's 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 accounting for the portion of our mind that's actually engaged with the ad. Yeah. Right. So set it up for that. And then and then the second is if you were to take your competitor's logo and swap out your logo, colors and fonts and put your competitor's logo, colors and font, could they use the same commercial mm -hmm. or not? Yeah, that's a good one. And I think if you put both of those filters on it, it tells you, is your story easy to digest? And is your is your story differentiating you from the market? Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think those are two key key facts. You know, we do a we do a thing now every year on our team. Where we'll we'll rate Super Bowl commercials. Okay. And and the reason we do that, I think it's great for our team to just kind of continue to affirm to build our own capabilities on mm -hmm. how we see and perceive ads and mm -hmm. what's out there. And every year we come back with like, hey, these are three to four incredible ads that make mm -hmm. you feel something. They told a story that makes you feel something. I think the Google Pixel commercial where they showed the photo editing yeah, yeah. was really powerful. Mm -hmm. To me, that was one of the most powerful ads I've seen seen in a while because yeah. they showed a customer pain point and they showed how they uniquely solve it mm -hmm. in a way that the alternative phone brand doesn't. Yeah, It was really powerful. And, and then you see others where they're basically just done for the vanity of whoever's producing the commercial. Yeah, and you leave true. it and you're like, what do they do? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what is that brand about? Or you right. see it and you're like, hey, I could swap out three of their competitors' logos and they could run the same commercial. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah, I think a lot of times those brands that do the Super Bowl ads, they're you know, a lot of it is just more just the brand awareness and they're looking for just shock value, not necessarily trying to tell a simple story, but they're just looking to do something kind of outrageous, do something that kind of catch your eyes, something that they know people may remember. They may not necessarily remember what the brand did, but they're going to remember that particular ad and be like, okay, wait a minute. That was a really weird commercial. And then people may think back. So yeah, it's, I think. But, the, but there's a role things. for that too. Like you take the, the Super Bowl commercial. So 2023 Super Bowl with Doritos. Yeah. Where they had that, that wrapper turn into a triangle. Player. Oh yeah, right, right. But only, but you put it through the filters. Mm -hmm. uh, are they telling? Are, you know, are they? Could you replace a competitive logo? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, you really can't. Are they? Yeah. Are they sharing something very distinctive about that? About that brand? Yeah, Absolutely. No. Yeah, yeah. And but it still has the shock value in it because they told they they told that story in a very clever way. And I think mm -hmm. you know, to me, it's building blocks. If your brand is relatively new, sometimes you have to be a little bit more a little bit more brass. You still want to be attention getting. You still want to be creative. You want to be bold in how you tell that story. But 
it's building blocks to get to the point where you're like a Doritos and able to pull something like that off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they can afford to take chances and just kind of do some things that are out of the box that don't necessarily, like you said, follow all of those rules, for, so to speak. But yeah, unfortunately, the, not a lot of businesses are in that position where they can afford to blow, you know, millions of dollars and take a risk like that. But, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're all trying, striving to get there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, Adatia, I, I was, I wanted to see as we get ready to wrap up, if you could share some examples of some successful e-commerce brands that, you know, have managed to kind of break through all of this noise and, and craft powerful messages that, you know, resonate with target customers. And, you know, how do they achieve it? These are, these are either brands that you've worked with or that you're just familiar with in general. Yeah. You know, I think rather than focus on the, on the brand in particular, if it's okay, I'd like to share what I've seen as the characteristics. Okay. Sure. That have, have enabled the success. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, cause I've seen, you've seen this play, you play, play out across multiple brands. I think one is patience. Mm-hmm. And so again, remember, we're trying to get people to do something new and different that they're not doing currently doing. So you have to be patient. You can't expect to turn something on and have it change change the world. Yeah. I had to embrace the same thing. I feel like, not feel like, the data shows we offer the best value in advertising in the world. Mm-hmm. Yet it still takes time to build the business to where we think it can be. Yeah, And there's still friction points that we are identifying and, and addressing. So you have to give things time. We, we read about these overnight success stories. Mm-hmm. Very rarely is anything really overnight or random. Yeah. There was a lot exactly. that went into most of it. Every now and then somebody may catch lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of circumstances that contribute to that. True. And some of those are not out and not in our control. Yeah. So embrace the fact that it's going to take time to build to where you want to go. And, and that's that's a key tenet. Yeah. I think the second the second key is move away from just thinking about cost per conversion. Mm-hmm. It's really easy. You know, we're in this world where everybody wants to measure everything. Everybody wants to know what the ROI and everything they're doing is. It helps us feel like we're making smarter decisions. Mm-hmm. But here, how do you measure human influence? If I show you an ad for an e-commerce brand today, let's just say I show you an ad for a new toothpaste brand that's e-commerce. Mm-hmm. I've got one in mind, as a matter of fact. They do great work. And well, I've just stocked up on toothpaste. I don't need anything today. Mm-hmm. But maybe in three months when kind of that multi-pack I just bought at Costco runs out, mm-hmm. I am in the market. How do you give credit to the ad I just saw in three months yeah. or something you saw you know, a while ago mm-hmm. when I go make that purchase? That customer journey is long and winding and contains a lot of stops and friction points along the way. Some yeah. in our control, some not in our control. So I think embracing the fact that there is a journey and different metrics that happen before a conversion mm-hmm. and trying to be present and participate in different parts of that journey. That comes from how are you building awareness and just letting people know this is a brand that does this one thing distinctively mm-hmm. to when they come to your website, how do you ensure it's a very seamless experience where they can see those points of distinction and easily find answers to common questions or or you utilize it as an opportunity to tell more of the story on why people should care. Still has to be simple though. Yeah. And then how do you think about staying in front of them as they're making their purchase consideration mm-hmm. through the next month or two with remarketing, with utilizing other ad channels, with how do you create this? How do you create this where you're almost surrounding them in different ways, not overwhelming them? You don't mm-hmm. want them to see you 15 times a day because then you're wasting money and not really moving the needle. Right. But how do you stay in front of them at some kind of an appropriate cadence? 
up to that decision point. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of metrics that go into saying if you're successful on that, that are not the cost per conversion. Cost per conversion is like I scored a touchdown. Yeah. But football coaches look at things more than what plays score touchdowns. They look at what plays get us a first down, what plays help us get four yards consistently on first downs. We get in position to keep moving the chains. Mm -hmm. It's all about moving the chains. And so think about your marketing strategy with that in mind. Mm -hmm. Not The ultimate goal for everybody is to score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But if you keep moving the chains, you're eventually going to score touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And that really just kind of resonates with what you you initially said as far as you know, taking all of these little things, you know, whether it's you're learning from customers or prospects and then applying that to your business, any interaction that you have, and then just kind of moving the needle, moving that chain forward and forward. So yeah, it's, you know, these days, like you said, everybody wants to just measure that ROI. And a lot of times it's, it's hard to do, especially now, because there's so many different touch points. There's so many different channels that people are being exposed to. It's really hard to really pin down somebody's full customer journey and how they made certain decisions to the, when they got to you. So yeah, that, that really, all of that makes, makes a, a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. And, and I will, I'll share a little sneak preview for your, for your listeners. We are working on some pretty cool stuff that'll help measure that, that you'll see roll out okay. Okay. in That's the coming good. months. Okay. That sounds good. Well, yeah, we'll definitely keep our eye out. Well, this has been awesome, Adi Chad. I've definitely learned a lot. And uh, I know our listeners and viewers have as well. It's great having you on. Lastly, before we do let you go, I always like to close things out and switch gears just a little bit so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. If you don't mind sharing one closing fun fact about yourself that you think we'd be interested to know. Yeah, let's see. A lot of people don't know I played violin in the Purdue Orchestra. Okay, awesome. I wasn't very good. I sat in the back. Okay. But it opened the door to, I ended up teaching myself a few other musical instruments that I really enjoyed. Enjoy playing from, Mm -hmm. you know, from piano to guitar to some others. Okay. So I love, I love that. There was a period of time I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a musician, but I I think I, I elected to go to corporate route instead. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not a musician myself, but I know what it takes, you know, to take on an instrument and learn it. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it takes a lot for sure. You know, a lot of practice from what I I see. Well, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, lastly, before we do let you go, if you don't mind sharing the best way for our listeners and viewers to, to contact you, if they want to reach out and, and pick your brain anymore about really anything digital marketing. Yeah, you know, I think that there, I'll throw two options out there. Mm-hmm. One is, you know, visit our website, awarity.com, A-W-A-R-I-T-Y.com. And on the top right, you can just schedule a demo okay. of our of our, of our our platform. Okay. It's a 15-minute demo, show you how it works. And then coming out of that, we learn enough about your business that we can even put together a proposal and talk to you about wow. what you can, what what we could possibly do to help get you in front of new new customers. There's no obligation. Okay, We're just here to democratize advertising. So if somebody sees it and it's not right for them, we'll be the first to tell you it's, hey, we're not sure we can help you or your resources might be better spent in another area right now. Okay. But if you're curious to see how we can help, go there. And then something special for your listeners, if you go to awarity.com slash backslash the gift, mm-hmm. we'll provide a free marketing assessment for you. All you have to do is okay. fill out the form there and we'll provide a free assessment of what you're doing in marketing and give you some thoughts and some actionable next steps. Okay, great, great. Those are some awesome items. Thank you for offering that. We'll definitely include the links to both of those on our in the show notes as well as on our website so people can get really good access, easy access to that. Well, well thank you for sharing that. We definitely appreciate having you on. I, I, 
And thank you for coming on the e-commerce marketing podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce marketing podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with everyone you know. Are you looking to take your digital marketing to the next level, but are tired of weeding through countless YouTube videos with unproven and untrusted marketing strategies? Well, we have the answer for you. The More Sales Every Month Online Digital Marketing Course. In this information-packed course, you will learn effective keyword research, link building, content marketing, and much more to attract and convert your site visitors into paying customers. Just go to moresaleseverymonth.com and sign up today for a low one-time fee. In addition to this power-packed course, if you would like to get access to a growing repository of digital marketing articles, PDFs, and eBooks, check out getosi.com resources and opt in to get full access to our library of priceless marketing information to help you take your digital marketing to the next level.